Hello there and welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode number five of the Spiraling Podcast. This is part two of our interview with Harold Boggs. Again, Harold, just a little background from him again from our last episode. He is a licensed therapist at the Houston Center for Christian Counseling, also a good friend of Jason and ours and his sponsor. So just a little background on him. Please enjoy part two of this interview. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Be sure you can Remember, you can catch us on all where all podcasts can be found on YouTube, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, all of it. Watch us, follow us, leave us a review. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Well, hey, um, one one topic that I I did want to uh, to discuss with you, Harold, is uh, you know one of the struggles that I went through uh, with my addiction. Um, the I don't want to say the underlying cause of it, but a, a big part of my addiction was uh, the medication that I was on for bipolar. Uh. And the one thing that um, you you stood by my side uh, every time that uh, I went into a treatment center. But a lot of these uh, these addiction facilities um, do not recognize a dual diagnosis. That's right. And special facilities that do dual dual diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah, and, and one of the struggles that I had, there were some great treatment facilities that my family wanted me to go to, um, but I, I just was not interested because I had to get off of my bipolar medication. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know what happens when I get off the medication. I start drinking and drugging even heavier. Yeah. And that's 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 been that's been my issue. Every time a doctor says, well, you know, I don't think you need this medication anymore um, and they take me off of it and stop prescribing it to me is when I start the, the downward spiral and that's part of the the, the spiraling upward um, the ministry the the podcast the book uh, is spiraling upward because I'm on a great treatment path um, being able to uh, see the, the the counselors and the in the psychiatrists that treat dual diagnosis and that i think that's a very big role in society especially with the church and these treatment facilities is being able to handle dual, dual diagnosis patients yes it's more costly and a lot of people have figured out there's a lot of money to be made uh on the uh there's a lot of money to be made from drug treatment so they want to hire the cheapest people they can and offer the streamlined type of care dual diagnosis care costs more to present people need higher qualifications it's more expensive to produce and so a lot of these centers uh, skip it um, so there are centers and there are centers and you want to go to someone who knows dual diagnosis treatment and it's a different sort of animal and it's very important to uh, allow us to stay on our mental health meds and stay away from alcohol and drugs at the same time uh, so I'm glad you found people that can help you with that not just everybody can uh, help people that have dual diagnosis a mental health problem along with an addiction problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
that was a big part of that was a big part of of what I was uh, I was missing in life was the the medication to keep me sane. Um, and you know, a doctor took me off of um, you know the big thing for me is sleep. If I don't have sleep, uh, it, it it all goes downhill from there, and, and that is my downfall. If I don't have my sleeping medication, um, you know, I heard you mention earlier about the mind-altering substances. Um, with a dual diagnosis patient, it is a little bit different uh, because you do have to take those mind-altering substances in order to be able to function on a day-to-day basis. That's if true. I don't take my if I don't take my sleeping medication and it knocks me out, um, I'm not going to sleep. And there, there's been times, I think I've seen you, Harold, when I've gone three, four or five days without sleeping and I look like hell and I don't know how I function on it, but I just don't sleep. Yeah. And that's part of my bipolar diagnosis. That's right. People, people with the bipolar can spend uh, many sleepless nights and it's, it's quite it's very serious, very serious. Sleep is the topic that I I uh, talk to people most about. It's probably the most important topic in the office. Um, uh, going several days without sleep is extremely harmful. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. We need to we need to let our listeners know uh, it's very important to sleep. Yeah, and I heard a study uh, going 24 hours without sleep is like blowing a point oh eight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can even see it in in the way people drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I know how so, I am if I don't get my at least six hours. And I couldn't imagine being up for 36 hours, 48 hours straight, even past that. Like Jason said, I, I, I couldn't imagine. I don't, I don't think I would be able to function at all. It's yeah. pretty amazing. And now uh, medical science has some new uh, video technology where they can actually video what's happening in the brain while we sleep. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing the way God has made the human body. Uh, the when we sleep, the uh, the brain cells actually shrink slightly, causing a, a negative pressure in the cranium, which draws cerebral spinal fluid up in throughout the brain and rinses out the toxins from the brain. That's wow. why we feel alert and alive in the morning when we wake up. Uh, the the brain is free of those toxins. Every cell as it operates creates toxins. And from the neck down, we have the lymphatic system to remove the toxins. But from the neck up, the brain uses our cerebral spinal fluid to rinse the brain while we sleep. Wow, that's truly amazing, especially when you start getting into the science of it all. Yeah, I saw that on a TED Talk. They were showing I the love video. TED Talks of the brain rinsing itself. It's a great, uh, the name of that video is why sleep is so important. And uh, it's really a beautiful thing to see. I'll find it and I'll link it in the in the in the description of this video for our our listeners to see. Uh, before our quick break, we had a we had a quick question for I say quick. It's not a quick question at all. It's actually kind of a big question. But um, uh, for Harold, it's it was a, how often do you find depression is either a primary or secondary symptom of your patients? 
Well, here's the interesting thing. Alcohol is a depressant. Marijuana is a depressant. Also, uh, Xanax and the other benzodiazepines right. uh, can cause depression. They People use those to calm down before they fly on an airplane. But a lot of kids use those recreationally. And so the uh, which is the chicken, which is the egg? Is, is the depression causing the alcohol problem or is the alcohol causing the depression? Um, the uh, the way to tell is to quit the alcohol, quit the marijuana, quit the Xanax and the other benzodiazepines and then see how you feel. And um, we can't just quit something like that that's harmful. We've got to substitute something healthy. I recommend exercise, walking and so forth. Yeah. So after a couple of weeks of zero alcohol and walking instead or zero marijuana and walking and getting that blood circulating the best treatment for depression is exercise wow. the, the there's a lot of research now about the medications like Prozac and if you look at really look at the at the research and you know how to read it it shows that that, that uh, Prozac is barely more effective than a sugar pill than a placebo so you've got to look at those placebo studies dr david d burns has done a lot of research on the uh, antidepressants and so it's very interesting i have a lot of people who have are using exercise now and they are so glad to be away from the side of, of depressants now, of, of the antidepressants, I mean, I'm not a doctor, and so I'm telling you, follow your doctor's orders. Uh, we can also add exercise, and it has a huge, huge effect, uh, much larger effect than, than you would think. So a lot of people have depression. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren has done some wonderful work uh, supporting depression research. Uh, yeah. He, he wrote the book Purpose Driven Life. And I, I love what I love about Rick is that when the book took off around the world and translated into so many languages, millions of dollars flowed in. At first, he was funding uh, AIDS research. HIV and AIDS research, but then when he lost his son to depression and suicide in 2013, at the age of 27, uh, he and his wife Kay switched their funding over to depression research, mental health research. Yeah, it's really wonderful. He he stated that at that time, 40 million people in the world had AIDS. 400 million people had depression. Wow. So, so it's a much bigger need and um, and it's highly treatable. It's highly treatable. Um, the medications are like putting a cast on a broken leg. If you have a broken leg, it would be silly to have it flopping around. Right. You've got a cast on it. But 
but you don't want to leave the cast on too long. If you read the PDR, the physician's desk reference about the medication you're taking, you can see in there the guidelines for how long to use it. And the pharmaceutical companies are required to say these are not, some of the medications are not recommended for long-term use. We've got to pay attention to the whole picture and really take all that into consideration. Yeah, have to see the forest through the trees. That's it. That's right. That's right. Um, as we continue to kind of talk about depression and um, and anxiety and um, and those things, I'm curious. Um, do you find suicide becoming a dangerous trend, or thoughts of suicide? Yes, as I said earlier, it's on the rise. Yeah, we're making any progress with it among the military ex-military it's three times normal wow um, also something that uh, people don't recognize very much is that among the gay population it's three times what's normal and uh, that's a big big concern to me I uh, specialize in in suicide prevention and it's not that difficult to prevent suicide if you really listen to someone, talk to them, just ask them straight out. Are you thinking of hurting yourself? Are you thinking of taking your life? Just ask them. It doesn't do any harm to ask them. If they're not serious about it, they'll say, no, I'm not. And no harm done. If they are serious about it, they will be relieved that you are willing to just talk in plain language about it directly. So that is what we do. Talking to someone for 30 minutes and really listening to their story can save a life. Yeah, that's amazing. And I remember you you talked uh, a little bit about... it was it's kind of a uh, it's not practiced very often now but just being that person to really really listen to your patients and understand what they need and empathize with them um it seems like that's kind of one of the the little things that you do to kind of separate yourself apart i was talking to jason earlier in the pre-show i was saying you know a lot of good um physicians do the uh, do the do the big things right right but what sets what makes them great as opposed to good is what they do with the little things um and so it sounds like when you're really empathizing with them or talking to them in straight language that you're doing some of the little things right and so uh it's uh, the suicide prevention is off suicide prevention is a hot topic with with us and jason with jason and but jason i was curious what little things does harold do to kind of set him apart from everybody else The, the biggest thing that helps me is, um, you know, the prayer before and after the counseling session. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the one thing that I've always struggled with is um, continuing my walk with Christ, um, even through the, the dark times. Um, it's, it's become easier over the years and working with Harold has made it a lot easier. Um, but just knowing that, you know, if you are thinking about you know harming yourself or taking your life um knowing that you have somebody that'll listen to you and they're not um 
they they don't uh, what's the word uh, they don't criticize you for the way you feel um, they're an open ear um, open dialogue and the support system behind it is tremendous um, if, if nobody has any idea that you're thinking of taking your life or harming yourself um, nobody knows how to help you um, so if you talk about it and you talk about it with somebody you trust and having that support system um, to be able to rely on uh, makes makes a big difference for sure yes and um, uh, let me add that uh, as we as we talk about all those feelings feeling depressed and uh, feeling really down wishing that you could go to sleep and not wake up in the morning life has really got you down some people in that situation will go to a nurse practitioner or a psychiatrist or their family doctor and get some antidepressants when so you may have noticed on tv they're talking about these antidepressants and they the attorneys force them to mention at the end of the commercial in a with a man's voice talking very fast that some of the side effects include suicidal thoughts well the most interesting thing occurs when a person's deeply depressed and then they take some antidepressants they get just enough energy that often they have suicidal thoughts and they have enough energy to kill themselves. Wow. So that can actually be a danger sign of suicide. If you have a family member who's very down and then they get some medications and they're feeling more energy, you want to talk to them plainly and ask them if they're feeling like taking their lives because some people do commit suicide at that time when they've been depressed and then they get something that picks up their mood. Isn't that ironic? It, that, that's very ironic. You'd think that something that kind of picks up their mood and would lift their spirits would really help them. But, yeah. Yes. But it's it's just enough that they have the energy to kill themselves. Right. So we want to be real about that. Years ago, Dr. Scott Peck, the great psychiatrist, said mental health is a commitment to reality at all cost. Mental health is a commitment to reality at all cost. So we want to be real above everything else, but not judgmental. I'm not talking about being judgmental or critical, criticizing. I'm talking about being real, validating what someone's feeling, validate their experience. Now, I'd like to make available to you a tool that really works to help people that are having suicidal thoughts. It's called a safety plan. Safety and it plan, okay. really works. You, uh, you fill out all these items on the safety plan what your resources are and who your go-to people are and you fill it out completely and uh, you share it with somebody and you carry it in your wallet and you've got emergency phone numbers there and friends phone numbers and and it's a it's a plan on how to keep yourself safe and who you can call what your resources are and you keep yeah. it right 
wallet. Uh, so I'll make that, we'll make that available. You could probably go on the internet and Google uh, suicide safety plans and get one off of there. They're pretty simple, but they're really helpful and useful. Well, thank you. Thank you. We surely do appreciate that. Um, so when we're talking about, you, you were just talking about some of the um, medication that some people could take and it kind of lifts their mood up just a little bit. Um, but what, I'm going to ask you about some warning signs. What are some warning signs that some that parents, spouses, friends should be looking for if their loved one is addicted or having suicidal thoughts what are some different things they could be on the lookout for okay those are that's really two different questions so let me let me take break it down first each one and each one at a time uh the the different substances have different warning signs to that show whether your loved one is addicted and uh those include uh uh red bloodshot eyes uh behavior that a behavior change um if a if a kid let's talk about teenagers okay Um, if a child uh loses interest in things they've been interested in that could be a sign of uh drug addiction and also a sign of depression um Actually, let's begin with depression. Sure. Uh, losing interest in things that you were interested in before, having a low mood, being blue, down, um, uh, having low energy, uh, sleeping way too much, or not being able to sleep. Uh, those are all signs of depression. Um, uh, change friends. Uh, For kids in school, if their grades drop, uh, that could be a sign of depression and that they should see a doctor, have someone to talk to. Uh, You can start with your family doctor. And what's available to families these days are the urgent care clinics. They're covered to your insurance, call your insurance company, find out which urgent care clinic is covered under your policy and show up there. It's a $30 copay, $30 or $40 instead of a $500 emergency room visit. Right. And uh, talk to a doctor, have the kids seen. Um, it's quite simple. If you're, let me say this, if your child is complaining that they don't want to live any longer, they just want to go to sleep and never wake up, they wish they were never born, scoop that kid up, take them to the urgent care clinic and have them talk to a doctor. That's a good practice. If they don't mean it and they're just seeking attention, that'll give them the attention they're seeking. And they need to talk to a doctor. If they're saying things like that, they need to understand how serious it is to say like that if they are intentional and they're meaning what they say they need to talk to a doctor right because you've got to do the things to prevent the suicide if you've got a family member who is having an episode and they're at home and they're screaming and yelling and they're threatening to kill themselves call in the paramedics 
right away and they'll will they will help they will uh, uh, get a doctor involved they'll give them something to calm them down don't guess about this be on the side of safety call in the paramedics and uh, that's how to take care of these things so if your teenager is threatening suicide or your little child I've had kids as age, as young as seven really? that I've helped with their suicidal thoughts we scoop them up and take them to see a doctor if they didn't mean it it's good for them to talk to a doctor if they did mean it it's good for them to talk to a doctor and when you do that every time there was one girl she was 11 and she used that as a tool to manipulate her family well they scooped her up took her to the doctor three times and she stopped it wow Wow, wow. So, um, so that's what to do about uh, depression. You can recognize it. Uh, the grades drop. People lose interest. They change friend groups. And uh, they don't take care of themselves anymore. They don't bathe. Well, how do you tell with a teenager? They don't want to bathe anyway. Some of them, uh, <laughs> but they stop their grooming. Uh, they won't eat as much, or maybe they will eat a lot more. Changes in behavior, all those are signs of depression. And you should go start with your family doctor or an urgent care clinic. Uh, and uh, what we're finding is it's it's pretty hard to get in to see a psychiatrist these days. Uh, Jason and I went through that. Uh, there were sometimes months until you could see your psychiatrist. So that's when a nurse practitioner uh, comes in handy. They are trained to prescribe medications and some of them are more current on the current medications than the physicians. So I think nurse practitioners are fantastic. That's excellent. So back to the uh, how to recognize a drug problem. Yes. It depends on the substance. Um, you can tell if a uh, kid is uh, uh, smoking marijuana, their eyes will be bloodshot. Uh, they will have um, laughter at odd times. They'll be very hungry. They'll have the munchies. They'll want to eat everything in sight. And... Uh, and little by little, their motivation will go down. Their grades usually drop after a while with marijuana. Uh, the two main symptoms of marijuana side effects are uh, motivation problems and memory problems. Mm. Marijuana is not harmless. It's a powerful medication. It helps many people with cancer and with glaucoma. Right. Uh, and have you heard the news from Denver? I have. Since marijuana was made legal. Big companies are having a terrible time. People won't show up for work. They've lacked their, they lack motivation. They want to just sit home and smoke weed. And also traffic accidents involving THC are way up. It slows down your reaction times. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So if uh, if a person's smoking marijuana, they should not be on the road driving. They can be on the road riding, take an Uber. 
So uh, a lot of kids uh, have developed alcohol problems. Uh, they're drinking. And of course, the signs of uh, drinking are, again, bloodshot eyes, uh, balance problems, slurred speech. Uh, alcohol numbs the brain. And so the first thing to numb is the vision center and things get blurry. The second is the speech center. This The speech gets slurred and people talk a little slower and kind of... Yeah. You can tell when someone's been drinking uh, and uh, they have balance problems as the ears go numb. They the ears can't work. And so people who are drinking tend to talk louder, too. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so those are signs. Now, alcohol wears off in about 12 hours. Um, so. Uh, what I recommend for parents of teenagers is to do random urine tests. There are two advantages to it. Number one, you get to know what your kid is doing with a scientific method. Uh, you can buy urine test kits on Amazon uh, for not much money and take the random urine tests right at home. Have them pee in a cup. Uh, so one, you get to know information about your kid and information is power and we can keep our kids safe if we have more information. Uh, secondly, and you know, you know how to restrict their privileges if you know that they're messing up. Uh, secondly, it's an advantage to the kid. At first, kids don't like it, but after a while, they figure out that they it gives them a perfect excuse to say no thank you when kids offer them a joint or a drink at school. They can say, no, I can't. My parents are urine testing me. And they have a different word for it. They say, my parents are piss testing me. Uh, yeah. But uh, it gives them a great excuse. They can save face. They can turn the drugs down. And it's a win-win situation. So I recommend it as a standard procedure, parents. Uh, so that's alcohol, uh, marijuana, sure. uh, Xanax. Uh, people go into uh, kind of a trance state with Xanax. Uh, it's a benzodiazepine. It's, been, it's meant to reduce anxiety, but it's really easy to get addicted to Xanax. Um, every once in a while, I talk to people who uh, have been taking it 20 years. That is awful. It was never meant to be taken for 20 years. Xanax is highly addictive. We develop a tolerance to it. And that enemy voice says, oh, you need another pill in order to get the same effect that you got before. We're always chasing that first high. So... Um, uh, Xanax, uh, people feel sluggish, low energy. Uh, they can't really think straight. They're not sharp. They can't converse well. Uh, let's talk about the amphetamine products, crystal meth. It's a cheap drug. The high lasts about six hours. A lot of kids smoke it. Um, and uh, it's extremely damaging to the body. Amphetamines rob the body of calcium. The skin goes bad. Hair falls out in clumps. The teeth get brittle and crack and fall out. Uh, I used to work in the, in the county jail doing a family therapy program for the inmates. And I had these uh, four guys. They were each 20 years old. 
and they were all bald headed. They were they were uh, meth addicts. We call them tweakers because they they go like that. It it disturbs the the uh, nervous system. And between these four guys, only one of them had one tooth left in his mouth. They were all uh, no teeth, bald heads. 20 years old and the it makes you look like you're 40 uh just caves in the face uh methamphetamines is very addicting uh very cheap and uh the high lasts a lot longer than cocaine it's really hard to tell if somebody's a cocaine addict um it doesn't show many outward signs um and uh it's a stimulant uh, like coffee, only way powerful, very expensive. One of the best ways to detect it is if there's white powder on the nostrils or the upper lip. Uh, and uh, uh, the and another way to detect that addiction is if there's money missing. Money missing. That's also what parents can watch for with teenagers. Are they missing money out of their wallets? A lot of kids will steal from their parents to get their drugs after a while. Yeah. So, uh, what else should we talk about? Well, I was just curious. Um, you, so you gave us a lot of uh, a lot of lots of stuff to consider, especially with and being able to be vigilant and understand some of the warning signs for a lot of these different um, so drugs and depression and, and thoughts. A lot of really good information. But um, I'm curious: is it ever too early in the addiction process to seek counseling? Uh, counseling is a good idea, and one of the ways to begin, mm-hmm. if you're if you're worried about a family member that has an addiction problem, uh, you can do an intervention, and I can give you instructions for an intervention. Also, I help people with interventions, right. and the bottom line on the intervention is you're asking your loved one to go get an assessment. It's standardized across the nation. The assessment will measure how big the problem is and give a recommendation for what to do next. And it's a very healthy idea to pressure your family member into going to get an assessment. Yeah. And so uh, the that's what the intervention is about, offering lovingly some gentle pressure to get that assessment. So you ask people attending the intervention to write letters and uh, grandma's letter. The letter has five parts. Let me just go through that really quick. Part one is how much you love the person and why, what you admire about them. There are things, even the biggest mess up, there are still things we admire. You got to list those and write them down. And so you can read those to the person and, and give the letter to the person. Right. Secondly, you talk about what you know about the problem and how you know it, what you've seen, what you've heard. Um, that's very helpful to have in the letter. You don't want you want to stay away from blame and anger, but you want to lovingly tell them what you've heard and seen. Thirdly, you want in the letter part three is where you tell them how frightened you are for their welfare and how scared you are for their health. 
fourthly, you want to say, please get help. We've set up this treatment center. All you need to do is show up. You'll get an assessment and they'll be able to help you right away. Uh, and then part five of the letter is you you articulate what you're going to have to do to take care of yourself if they will not go get help right away. And right. in grandma's letter, she says, I'm going to write you out of the will. And the spouse in her letter says, I'm going to kick you out of the house. You've got to, we're not going to live together. You're not talking divorce. We're just talking about a separation so that it'll put some pressure on the person. And that really helped Jason when he had to leave the house for a while. Um, as he said earlier, and uh, the the kids will say, I'm not going to talk to you anymore, Daddy, unless you go get help. So that puts the teeth into the into the intervention. You explain what you're going to have to do to take care of yourself if they won't go get help. You can't live like this anymore. So that's an intervention. And uh, that's what we want to do. You've got to invite the right people. You don't want people who will get angry and blaming and critical. Right. Uh, uh, you want people who can show up, speak their hearts, but not cave in. Sure. Because when the when the wife puts the person out of the house, if somebody else in the intervention says, well, that's OK, you can come and live with me. Oh, that's awful. Right. That's shooting, shooting themselves in the foot. For sure. For sure. Okay. Um, anyway. Uh, very good. So never too early to, to, to see some counseling, get that intervention done. I'm curious, Jason, question for you. At what point did in your throughout your process, did you seek help? Um, <laughs> several times. <laughs> right. right. Uh, I guess yeah, I mean specifically uh, for from Harold. Uh, um, it, it was probably uh, 2012, 2013 when, uh, when I first went and saw Harold. And a lot of that was I... I didn't know where else to turn. I didn't know what to do. Um, I knew I couldn't continue going down this path, um, but it was still um, it, it was still fresh in my head. And what were some of the things that helped you realize you couldn't continue on that path? Was it Kristen? Yeah, it was. It was losing my family, um, and yeah. Kristen saying you you got to move out of the house. Um, and I was in a hotel for probably 10 days uh, before she let me back in. And even when she let me back in, I was sleeping in another room. Yeah. And it, it just, it tore me up that I didn't have the same relationship with my wife or my kids um, that I uh, that I wanted. And it, it really hits home. Um, when you get, get your life turned upside down and taken away from you, um, it, it makes you wanna get, get things straight. Okay. Very good. Um, as we kind of wrap it up here, um, this last question for both of you, um, and maybe Jason, you can go first. If someone is listening to this podcast right now and they need help, what should they do? What's step one? What do they need to do right now? 
ask for it. Um, ask a family member, ask, um, ask the ministry, ask our ministry, uh, shoot us an email, um, get in to see a, a, a therapist. Um, if you ask for help, um, help can be found. Um, you know, what Harold was saying about going to an urgent care, um, there, there are options all over the place. Um, and we can put a list, a list of those, um, on the blog, uh, for this episode, but, um, ask for help, um, ask a family member and, you know, th- there's options. Um, the one thing that our ministry is, is, is striving to do is, is put people in touch with others that can help. Um, you know, I'm not a licensed counselor. Um, I'm an ear that can listen. Um, I can provide some guidance and support on where to turn. Um, but it, you just got to ask for the help. And I'm looking up right now the uh, suicide uh, hotline number. And uh, let's see. Um, well, let me let me get that to you. Uh, here, I have it. I have it right Four hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We have a uh, 366 days a year. This year has 366. It's leap year. Uh, there are people who care, who are trained to listen to your story at the other end of the suicide hotlines. And uh, also, there are also numbers. If you think you've got a drinking problem or a drug problem, uh, you can call the hotline. And there are lots of hotlines. And uh, the people are trained. And uh, they'll, they'll get you the help you need. So that's Jason's right. The first thing to do is ask. And... Uh, uh, Harold, I, I have that national, that, national suicide, that national suicide hotline, uh, prevention hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Again, 1-800-273-8255. I'll post that down in the description below as well for people to be able to call if they need it. Thank you, Jason. And thank you, Jackson. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, Harold, Mr. Boggs, again, Harold Boggs, he is a licensed family therapist at the Houston Center for Christian Counseling. If you guys are local to the Houston area, be sure to give him a call. Be sure to stop by. If you need help, he is always there for you. Um, uh, Jason, do you have anything else before we kind of wrap it up? No, uh, Harold, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure having you on. It's my privilege. My privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, uh, as we kind of wrap this up, you can find us and listen to us where all podcasts can be heard on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast. And we also upload this to YouTube. Again, I'm going to have that hotline uh, number, suicide prevention hotline number down in the description below. If you need it, I'll provide that for you guys. Uh, Be sure to leave a like and comment down below. Um, And we'll guys see you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.